Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. And so we are starting a new series today entitled Wonder Woman, uh, just because we thought it was kind of a cool name. And so uh, we're going to do that. And we're going to look today at a woman named Deborah in the Old Testament. So get out your Bibles, if you would, or pull it out, turn it on, whatever kind you have, and go with me to an Old Testament book. We're going to go to the book of Judges. Judges. And the reason it's called the book of Judges is because it chronicles uh, all of these judges that were over uh, the children of Israel. Uh, this is before they had kings established. At this, this time, the way that uh, the children of Israel being ruled and really being judged because of sin in their life is they had judges set up over them. And so this book of Judges covers all the different judges of the Bible. One of those judges, it was a female, and her name was Deborah. And one of the, one of the things that I love about Deborah that we're going to discover today and talk about today and what we can learn from her life, all of us, not just the women. I mean, come on, how many guys, you know, we preach about the guys in the Bible, right? We talk about Samson, we talk about David and all that stuff, and you know, everybody's learning from them. I think sometimes in the church world, when we begin to talk about a woman in the Bible, it's like all the guys check out. Are you with me? Okay, I don't want you to check out, I want you to check in and realize that these people are in the Bible for all of us to learn from. Okay, listen, the reality is, all of us in here have a mom, right. You all have a mom, all right? Maybe, maybe your mom's not close to you right now. You have a mom, and the reality is all of us learn from our parents, and we learn from our moms. I know I learned some incredible and still learning incredible lessons from my mom. And so Deborah in the Bible, she's a woman of great faith. She's a woman of great confidence and leadership. And so we're going to kind of key in on this idea of confidence that we can learn from her today. Uh, the dictionary definition of confidence is this. It's full trust. Full trust. Belief in oneself and one's power or abilities. And uh, so we're going to look at that today as we look at the life of Deborah. Judges chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. Uh, this, as we read this, what's taking place in the nation of Israel, uh, this is the people of God, the chosen people of God. Uh, the, the Bible talks about how they've sinned once again. They did evil in the sight of God. And so what would happen is, is that there would be judgment pronounced on those people. There'd be punishment. And the way that God would do that is he would allow another nation to come in and take them over. This particular time, as you study it out in history, ends up being one of the most severe, uh, dominant uh, uh, rulings by another kingdom that they'd ever experienced, okay? Now, I want you to think about that because it's in that context now where it's the most severe punishment, man, the most severe thing ever happening to them that God doesn't raise up a man to be the judge, but he actually raises up a woman to be a judge. Many scholars believe that maybe the reason that was is because she could bring a motherly touch of, of healing and of compassion. But whatever the reason was, we don't fully know other than God chooses whomever he chooses and uses whomever he uses. And in this time of severe punishment over the children of Israel, he raises up, God raises up, a woman named Deborah and releases her to be the judge over Israel. And in Judges chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it reads, The Israelites again, don't you hate that part in the Bible, right? Oops, they did it again. The Israelites, I think there's a song or something, but. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. 
So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin. Now, as we read that, you might think that sounds cruel. Why would God do that? Why would God sell his own people over to another nation? That doesn't sound like a loving God to me. That doesn't sound like a God of of grace and of mercy. Uh, You will understand this more uh, the day that maybe you've, you've either have your own children or work with some people that you really love. That when you really love somebody and you really value who they are, you don't just let them do whatever they want. But that you show love by allowing them to learn through their mistakes, but also correcting them through their choices. And that's what God is doing here. So he hands over to King Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hezor. The commander of his forces was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jabin had 900 chariots and he harshly oppressed them 20 years. Now, I don't know why they didn't start crying out when he had 800 chariots. Are you with me? I don't know why he didn't start crying out 899 chariots, but for some reason at 900 chariots, the children is like, this is too much. Are you with me? This is too much. Like, okay, God, we're, we're done, all right? Can you, come and, can you come and rescue us? Can you come and save us? And they had been oppressed for 20 years. Verse 4, Deborah, a woman who was a prophetess. So she wasn't only a judge. She was actually a prophetess. She, she heard from God, and she delivered messages from God. And she was the wife of Lapidus, was judging Israel at the time. It was her custom to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel. In the full, or excuse me, in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her for judgment. Now, this is powerful. She has a place where she rules, she has a place where she judges, and she is so well respected amongst her people that they travel from all over to get wisdom from her. Verse 6 Then she summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor. Okay, now Barak is now the captain of the armies. But he's afraid because of the oppression that has come. And yet here is Deborah who goes with faith, with confidence, and goes to this man who's actually the commander over the armies and has heard from God and says, Hey, Barak, I know that God's spoken to you. This is what you need to do. Hasn't the Lord of Israel commanded you, go, deploy the troops to Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men from the Naphtalites and the Zebulonites. Then I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's forces, his chariots and his army at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you and I will hand him over to you. It sounds powerful. This is once again a woman who's judging, who's a prophetess, hears from God. And this is what Barak says. Barak said to her, if you'll go with me, I will go. All right. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And listen to her response. I will go with you, she said, but you will receive no honor on the road you are about to take because the Lord will sell Sisera into a woman's hand. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, as you read that story, you might think to yourself, man, what was Barak thinking? Well, Barak was scared. They've been oppressed for 20 years. Uh, You heard from God. God spoke to you, and you're telling me God spoke to you for me to do this, but I'm a little bit nervous, so you know what? Hey, woman, if you go with me, come on, somebody. If you go with me, then then I'll go, but if not, I'm not going. 
And she literally prophesies and says, okay, I'm going to go. But guess what? You're not going to get any honor or any glory for this victory. Instead, a woman will. And as you read, if you only read that portion of the story, you would think that she was talking about herself. Yeah, I'll go, but I'm going to get all the honor. But as you read on, she was actually being a prophetess at that moment and speaking of the future. And as you read on in the story, there's another woman named Jael who actually kills the commander of the army, and thus a woman gets the glory. Let's discover together today what we can learn from the life of Deborah. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, it's powerful. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together that we would learn from this incredible passage and that we would learn from this incredible woman of confidence in the Bible. Not just the women in this place, but every single one of us would walk away having learned something in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. One of the things that absolutely sticks out to me about, and honestly, you don't get a whole lot about Deborah. It's chapter 4 of Judges and chapter 5 of Judges. And actually, chapter 5 of Judges is known as Deborah's song, where her and Barak begin to sing this song together of victory. Really, all we know of the woman is the story we just read right here. But, but the thing that sticks out to me the most about her is that she was confident, she had confidence in several things that I believe that we need to be confident in today. A long time ago, I learned from one of my friends, and uh, some people might have thought he was a little bit cocky and a little bit arrogant. Anybody ever have a friend like that? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and, and, and yet, he said this one time, we were about to do something. He's like, no, just follow me. We can do this. I'm like, what are you talking about? He turned around. He said, you know what, Ben? I learned a long time ago that confidence is your ticket to anywhere. Confident. Anybody ever heard that saying before? Confidence is your ticket to anywhere. And I heard that, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it. Now, obviously, that could be manipulated and used in a wrong way, all right? Uh, but, but confidence, and sure enough, man, we walked, and we were, we were gonna, I was actually in Australia, and I was going to go check out the beautiful opera house, and they had it all barricaded off, and, and I wanted to go see it. I'm only there one time, you know? And, and so I'm like, I want to go see this. He's just follow me and just walk like you know what you're doing. And so we just walked like we knew what we were doing, said hi to the security guys, moved the gate, you know, and just kind of walked in. Nobody said anything. It was awesome. Just confidence right there. They just didn't even question it. It was amazing. Matter of fact, I've used this over and over again uh, in my life, actually not too long ago, and this might be a milder situation, but we were at one of the opening shows for Star Wars over last Christmas. Any Star Wars fans in here? Okay, yeah, right. And so we went to one of the shows, and we were supposed to get there earlier than we did. And we got there, and there was literally a line all the way around the theater. And you know, if anybody goes to movies with me, they know I like to get there early. I like to get the best seat. I like to watch all the previews. Any preview watchers in here? Come on, somebody. That's the best part of the movie, right? Because you can see like seven movies for the price of one because they practically show the whole thing, you know? And, uh, and so we were in line, and I was a little bit bummed, and we were standing there for a while, and I had to go to the bathroom. So I was like, I got to go use the bathroom. And, and so I walk in, and I see the door open, uh, the outdoor, and I'm like, I'm just going to walk in like I know what I'm doing. And sure enough, I just walk in like I know what I'm doing. Nobody looks and says anything. I walk straight into the restroom. I use the restroom. And as I'm coming out, I'm thinking to myself, do I really want to go stand in that line? And I said, no, I don't. And so I texted my wife. I said, hey, babe, I'm going to stay inside. And my wife's looking at me like, I can't believe. It's not against the law. Okay. And so I texted her. I said, hey, babe, I'm going I'm to go get us seats. And so, man, I stood outside that, that door for Star Wars. And everybody piles out. The people go in and clean it. They come out. And I just go walk. I was the first one to get in there. Got prime seats, laid jackets out, saved. Oh, we had our whole family. Like, saved like 14 seats. People were so mad at me. Uh, it was awesome. 
But confidence, I had this confidence, and this confidence just like, it just like led me places. Um, my, my daughters actually just on uh, Friday went to a self-defense class with my wife. And it was offered through their school, and so they went to this self-defense class, and uh, they were there for two and a half hours learning how to guide, gouge people's eyes out. Come on, somebody. True. They got home, and they're like, Dad, we learned so much. And I'm like, well, what's the first thing you do? Well, the first thing you do is try to avoid conflict, but they just, like, skipped right over that. And I was like, what do you do after that? Like, you gouge their eyes out. And I was like, whoa. Okay. And then they're like, and then you do this, and they were showing me all this stuff, but here's what I saw in them. I saw an absolute new level of confidence in them. And it was just awesome. And now ever since, they've been stomping on my toes and trying to gouge my eyes out and practice all their moves. And, but what was so awesome is, is, is they learned something from somebody, and it gave them a new level of confidence. It gave them a new level of confidence. What we discover as we read the story of Deborah is that she was a very confident woman. But she was not confident in and of herself. Because here's what you got to understand. What you need to understand is that this was a woman leading a nation in a man-driven culture. And I know some of the women are out there looking like, what's changed, right? This was a woman leading in a man-driven culture. This was like at a time, a matter of fact, some theologians have studied this out and tried to make some rationale out of why there was a woman leading at this time. And some of them have come to this conclusion, and it's, it's a dumb conclusion, but some of them have come to the conclusion that, well, the reason that, that, that she, a woman, was chosen because that in and of itself was a judgment on Israel, the fact that a woman was leading the nation. How many women like that one, right? And they say that because, well, well, it was a judgment on them, and here's why. is because that God couldn't find any qualified men to lead them. Now, I have a huge problem with that theory because nowhere else in the Bible do I see that being an issue. Because God doesn't choose qualified people. God chooses people and then qualifies them by his grace to do what he wants them to do. Are you with me? Because if I remember right, there was a guy, isn't there a guy named Noah in the Bible? Isn't there a guy named Moses in the Bible? Don't those guys both not feel qualified? I mean, think about Moses. Moses actually gets in an argument with God about how he's not qualified to do it four times. He said, I'm, I'm, you got the wrong one. And God says, I don't have the wrong one. Are you with me? So this idea that there was no qualified men doesn't work because God never chooses the qualified. He chose a woman because he did because it's who he wanted to use in this moment of time to deliver the nation of Israel. Are you with me? God chooses whom he chooses, uses whom he uses, and I believe he still does the same thing today. And Deborah confidently stepped into this role as she begins to go forth and she executes it with confidence. Let me just give you a couple areas where I see confidence in Deborah that I believe you and I should be confident today. Are you with me? One of the ways I see that Deborah was confident was that she was confident, and we need to be confident in this, in her relationship with God. She was confident in her relationship with God. We see that as she would actually, she would actually hear the voice of God when she goes to Barak. She goes to Barak and says, hey, Barak, hasn't God spoken to you? I know this because he's spoken to me as well. You're the one that's supposed to deliver the children of Israel out of the punishment. 
She knew how to hear from God, and she knew how to deliver a message from God to somebody else. She was confident in her relationship with God. See, where the, where the, the, the dictionary definition says that, that confidence is, is, is belief in oneself and one's power and abilities. I like the first part of the definition better, full trust. Because where the, where the dictionary definition falls short when it comes to us understanding where our confidence comes from, our confidence is not in and of ourself. Our confidence is in who he is. Our confidence is in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and what he's done. And we can be confident in that relationship. I love what I see in Deborah's life because she was so confident in this man-driven culture that she was confident enough to hear the voice of God, but not just to hear the voice of God, but then to declare what God was saying. I'm telling you right now, there is nothing more powerful, and I know because I try to live this way, but there is nothing more powerful than, than, than somebody that has learned to wait on God, hear God's voice, and then begin to act on what God is speaking. That's a powerful life. That's a life of confidence. It's a life of security. It's a life of hope. It's a good life to live. And here's the thing, is some of us are sitting there like, Ben, I would love to live that life. I would love to live a life that hears the voice of God. The problem is I don't know how to hear the voice of God. Anybody ask, like, how do I hear God's voice? Right? Hearing God's voice is not as difficult as we make it out to be. Hearing God's voice, as a matter of fact, it, it, it can get real simple. And here's where it starts. It starts with reading the Bible. Oh, you, 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 I got to do that? Yeah. When I look back at all my days in school, I could tell the difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher. My good teachers, you know what they would do if I came in with a question? The first thing they'd say is, did you read the book? Right? I do it with my kids all the time. Dad, can you help me with this? I was like, did you read it? Well, no. Right? A good teacher, you know what a good teacher does? A good teacher gives you the materials, gives you the book, and says, hey, read the book. There's lots of good stuff in there. And you read the book, and you learn, and you do what the book says, and then when you go to the teacher, come on, somebody. Then when you go to the teacher and you say, hey, teacher, I got a question. They say, did you read the book? You say, yeah. They said, okay, what's the question? The last time I checked, the Holy Spirit is a good teacher. Matter of fact, it's one of the things that the Bible says he is. It says he will lead us and guide us in all truth, that he's a comforter, but he's also a good teacher. And if he's a good teacher, see, some of us, here's how we want to get our answers. We want to live life however we want to live it, doing whatever we want to do, and then when we get into a bind, okay, maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning. Then when I get a, in a, a moment of difficulty, a moment of this or a moment of that. Then we want to go to the teacher and say, yo, teach. Okay, let's be a little more reverent. God, help. Well, what's the matter, son? I, I'm having some financial difficulty. Okay, well, did you read the book? What book? <laughs> the Bible. You mean the Bible talks about finances? Yes, it does. What does it say? Bring all the tithes. What are those? Okay. And we want these immediate answers without living according. Somebody with me this morning? God help my marriage. Have you read the book? What book? The Bible. No. It's, it's got stuff in there. 
about marriage? Where? Ephesians chapter 5. What does that one say? Read it. If you're married, it's good. It talks about husbands laying down their life for their wife. And then it gives an example. As Christ did for the church. Oh, snap. I don't want to read the book anymore. Right? We want a quick, you know, a quick fix. I love that Deborah was confident in a relationship with God. She heard from God, and she did what God told her, and it shows us that she was absolutely confident in who she was. She was godly. She was godly. Can I, can I just tell you what the definition of being godly is? It means reading the Bible and living on it the best way you know how. That's it. That's it? You mean I don't have to, I don't have to like pray like you, pastor? No, please don't. You mean I don't have to, no. All you got to do is read the Bible and the best of your ability to that which you understand, live the Bible. That's it? Yeah. Which means then we grow in our godliness because we grow in our understanding of Scripture. And as we grow in our understanding of Scripture, we make adjustments. We, we see this in the book of Acts, actually. Acts, check this out, Acts 18, 24 to 26. There was a guy named Apollos who was, now listen to what it says about him. A Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, now listen to this part, an eloquent man who was powerful in the use of scriptures. Now when you read that, you would think, this guy's got it going on. This guy knows his stuff. I mean, he's eloquent and he's powerful in the scriptures. This isn't just like somebody making up this statement about him. This is in the Bible. This is what the Bible says about him. Now listen to what it says. So he's eloquent and powerful in the use of the scriptures. He arrived in Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately. Oh, wow. So he's accurate. Now he's powerful and he's eloquent. Although he knew only John's baptism, listen to verse 26, he began to speak boldly. He was confident. He was confident with what he knew. He was confident with the scriptures he knew. He began to do it boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila, and we'll talk about them later this month, Priscilla and Aquila heard him. Now listen to what it says. They took him home and explained the way of God more accurately. Think about that. What is that scripture telling us? That scripture is telling us this, that all I need to do, man, to be confident, all I need to do to be bold in my faith and confident in my relationship with God is live my life based on the scripture I know. And if I live my life based on the scripture I know, and then someone comes along and teaches me a more excellent way or a more accurate way, then I just apply that to my life, and I keep going on with life boldly and confidently. Are you with me? Amen. Matter of fact, this is God's desire for us. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. How many guys are thankful for that? Because we can see sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way that we are, yet without sin. Verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. What? Yeah, being confident in our relationship with God. We approach the throne with boldness, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us 
at the proper time. We need to live our faith confidently, boldly, radically, just walking out. Somebody with me this morning? The word we, I believe there's some of you here right now that are lacking confidence in your relationship with God because you don't feel like you know enough of the scripture. But can I tell you something? If you just live the scripture you do know and you keep coming to church and you plug into a small group, you'll learn the, the way more accurately and you'll keep growing in your faith. Amen. Another way I see her being confident is she was confident in her calling. She was confident in her calling. Now, I want to make sure we don't make a mistake here and, and we think that that's being confident in our giftedness or in our talents or in our abilities. There is a big difference than being, man, I'm really good at this. I'm so good at this, I can do this. I mean, these people on stage, they're clearly good at playing instruments. Okay? The ones that were mic'd, they're good at singing. The reason the other ones weren't mic'd is because you don't want them mic'd. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? But that's giftedness. That's talent. They, they can work and improve that. But, but what you might not see is the calling on them to be worship leaders to lead us into the presence of God. Now, thank God, those that are called, he also gave them some gifts. Are you with me? One thing you don't want is you don't want me leading worship. I'm good at grabbing a mic and yelling scriptures at you. But if this was a musical and I had to sing them to you, come on, somebody. She was confident in her calling. She was a judge. She was one who literally took the laws, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and people would come to her for wisdom, and she would judge them, not according to her own ideas and ways and thoughts, but according to Scripture. She was confident in that. People respected her. People valued her. She was confident prophetess. She was called by God to hear a message from God and delivered a message of God. She was so well respected by everyone around the world. And she was a woman in a man's culture. But she was confident in her calling. She was confident in what God called her to do. Which makes me wonder, what would happen if all of us, as Christ's followers, first and foremost became confident in our relationship with God and just lived confidently, but then secondly became confident in our calling. What has God created me for? Well, first and foremost, a relationship with him, absolutely. But then to begin to look like him, begin to, begin to, to follow in his character, but that's not the end result. The end result is to take who he's created me to be and make an impact and an influence for his kingdom. What would happen if all of us were confident in our calling and what God is calling us to do? Well, Pastor, how do I know what God's calling me to do? Here's what we discover. Although it's not about giftedness, oftentimes the very thing that God has gifted you in, he's actually calling you to use for his kingdom purpose as well. So what are you saying, Pastor? Man, you were really gifted at talking? Yes. How do you think I won over my wife? It wasn't my looks. Love is blind, clearly. <laughs> I just was a smooth talker. Hey, baby. Someone take notes on that one. Hey, baby. That's what I'm missing. Right? Oftentimes, what you're gifted in, God will use. And he's calling you to do that. 
And there are ways to use that for the kingdom of God to influence others and to bring them into his, his kingdom. I love it. She was confident in her calling. The reason she was confident in her calling is because she knew it was about him and not about her. She knew it was, she was confident because she knew it was about him and not about her. I, I, I watched my daughters, and uh, I have one over here that plays basketball. She had two games yesterday. She has another one today. And uh, one of the things I've noticed is she plays more confidently when she notices her coach has confidence in her. And when she feels that her coach has confidence in her, she can play all out. And if she misses a shot, it don't matter. She keeps playing, and, and she gets the rebound. She makes another. She don't care. Why? Because her coach has confidence in her. It's those coaches that, that don't have confidence in her that you can tell because she makes a mistake, and she's quickly looking over at the bench thinking, am I going to come out now? Any ever been, been, been there before? But when her coach has confidence in her, she is able to execute with great confidence. I got great news for you today. There is a king, there is a dad in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has absolute confidence in you, believes in you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you, not just to redeem you from sin, from shame, and from iniquity, but he redeemed you for a purpose in his kingdom. He believes in you. He's confident about you, which tells me, I can execute with confidence, which also tells me that I can blow it and make a mistake, and he's not going to be looking at me like, what did you do? Yeah. Hey, man, this gives me confidence to live out my, my, my calling and my relationship with him because I have a good heavenly father who has confidence in me. There is nothing worse than, than being a part of a community or trying to measure up to some status, trying to measure up to some, some religious act, only to find out that you can't, and then to be thinking, man, I disappointed somebody. I disappointed, you, you can't disappoint God. He loves you. The Bible says, although you might make your bed in the pit of hell, please don't do that. I like to interpret it this way, although I might live my life like hell, I might live this way, guess what? Man, he's there for us. He believes in you. He has confidence in you, like a good coach, amen? I think one of the greatest obstacles that we can overcome is insecurity and pride. Insecurity and pride because they both work from the same premise. I'm insecure. I don't, I don't think I can do that. I, don't, I think you got the wrong person, God. I don't think I can do that. I'm prideful. Man, look what I did. Look what I was able to accomplish. Pride and insecurity, they work from the same premise. And I think one of the greatest things we can do to just be free in who God created us to be is to overcome that thing and realize it's not about us. He chooses whom he chooses. He uses whom he uses, regardless of race, regardless of uh, background, regardless of upbringing, regardless of gender. He uses whom he uses. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. He was conf she was confident. Hmm. And she shows us that God can and does choose anyone he wants to. I'm just going to have the worship team come up so that I have to stop because I could keep going. She was confident in her promotion of others. She was confident in her promotion of others. I love this. I love this because the whole entire Bible shows us that the life we now live is now lived in Christ. If we're a Christian, if we're a Christ's follower, the life we now live, we live as unto him 
And if we're living it as unto him, it's not about us, it's about others. It's about others. And we see here that she had no problem promoting others. I want you to catch this right now because this is so powerful. She was confident in her relationship with God. She was confident in what she was called to do. But all of those had an end result and a purpose that she would be confident in building up and promoting others. I love that the Bible doesn't just say Deborah, a prophetess, a judge. But it makes sure to bring her husband in there. She was also the wife of Lapidus. And I love what Deborah does. Deborah knows that Barak is called to do this. And she knows that Barak is not fulfilling what he's supposed to do. But rather than pronouncing judgment on him, she comes along with a motherly voice. Matter of fact, if you read Judges 5, verse 7, the song says, Deborah, a mother of Israel. This motherly voice, she comes along to Barak and says, Barak, Hasn't God chosen you? You're the chosen one. Come on, Barak, you can do this. No, no, I don't think I can. No, Barak, you can. No, I, don't, I don't think I can. You ever felt that way before? She, 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 she pushes him on. And then when he finally, in, in and of himself, doesn't have confidence in who he is, doesn't have confidence in his relationship with God, doesn't have confidence in his calling, says, no, you got to go with me. She said, okay. I've tried, Barak. But just know that you're not going to get the glory and the honor for this one. It's going to go to a woman who went to JL. But even in that, we don't know the whole story. Something happens. Something powerful happens. If you were to go to the New Testament, to Hebrews chapter 11, just write it down. Hebrews chapter 11. For those of you who are new to church, you might not know this, but Hebrews chapter 11 is that, that great chapter of faith. And it goes off and it names all these people, Abraham and these people and these people. And it goes on for 31 chapters, naming all these great people of faith. And you're just amped as you're reading, like, I want to be like that. And then it gets to verse 32. And it says this in Hebrews 11:32, And it says, and what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon and about Barak. Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith, listen to the confession, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. How is it that Barak's name makes it into the great chapter of faith? How is it that a man who was fearful for his own life, who was scared to do anything, who said, Deborah, I'm not going unless you go with me. Could it be that somewhere in Deborah's judging, she allowed Barak to come up in the ranks and be promoted, even though it was her and her wisdom and her judgment that won the battle. But yet Barak is the guy named in the great hall of faith. It doesn't sound fair. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. There is really nothing fair in the kingdom of God because he chooses whom he chooses. He uses whom he uses. He writes about who he writes about. But he is a just God. And his justice is not based on us. His justice is based on himself and what he deems acceptable and needed. And he says, Deborah, you're going to do this. But Barak's going to get 
named in the scriptures of having great faith. What would it be if a community came together and was willing to say, I'm confident in promoting you and promoting you and in building you up and in speaking life over you and, and urging you on and saying, you can make it, you can do it. What would happen if a community of believers was not only confident in their relationship with Jesus, was not only confident in the calling and walked with that calling, but was confident in the people that God had surrounded them with and said, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to believe in you. God's got a great purpose for your life. God's got a great calling for your life. God's got great abundance for your life. I believe in you. He believes in you. All we have to do is lay hold of that for which he, Christ Jesus, has laid hold of us. Hallelujah. And run and run with endurance the race that is set before us. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, we thank you that your word is, is, is so amazing. Lord, we thank you what we can learn from the life of Deborah today. Lord, that no matter what our past looks like, no matter what our gender is, no matter what our upbringing is, God, we thank you right now. God, we thank you right now. Lord, that you are calling, Lord, not the qualified, but you are calling those whom you want to use, and you're going to qualify them for kingdom purpose for kingdom plan. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes right now in this moment. There are some of you here today that you lack confidence in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You lack confidence in your relationship with God. And he wants to restore today a purposeful, meaningful relationship. Hallelujah. There are some of you here today that you lack confidence. You've heard the voice of God speak to you in different seasons and in different settings, but you've lacked confidence and you've questioned, God, is this really what you want to do in and through my life? There are some of you here today that you lack confidence in promoting others because you haven't learned yet that it's not about you. This is what I want you to do with your eyes closed and we just go into a moment of worship, a moment of reflection. I want you to ask yourself this question, am I confident today?